Hey, hey, Freedom Fighters. Welcome to the Active Duty Passive Income Podcast, the only place where military members, veterans, and their families learn how to build wealth through real estate investing. I'm your host, Mike Foster, and I'm here to show you how to stop wasting your benefits. Now get off your ass, step up to the firing line, and make ready for today's lesson. Shooter, stand by. Hey, what's going on, guys? Welcome to the Active Duty Passive Income Podcast. I have an awesome guest here. His name is Bryce St. Clair. What's going on, man? How's it going, Mike? How you doing? Oh, man, I'm going well. Going very well. A little bit of a rough start this morning, but hey, you know, we're <laughs> battling through. <laughs> so what's Absolutely. going on? So, so tell us, where are you from, man? So originally from Kansas, born and raised in a little town just outside of Wichita. Woo, Wichita. All right. Love it, man. Love it. And so, and you are still active duty, yeah? That is correct. Yeah, I'm finishing up. I've got about a month left, um, 10 years active duty. All right. Awesome. So do you mind telling our, our guys a little bit of your military background and kind of how you got started investing? Yeah. So for me, I started uh, in the army as a helicopter repair guy. Uh, did that for about six years, did a year-long deployment, came back, wanted to change the pace, uh, did some uh, special operations assessments and training and stuff, and landed over still at Campbell in the 160th as a combo guy. Nice. So had a little transition in my career, um, absolutely loved it. And uh, from there, then did a couple deployments with them and then uh, got the uh, real estate bug. And uh, about two years ago, so in 2017, it hit me, and I decided at that point, you know, at the 10-year mark, I had to make that decision: am I going to stay in or get out? And at that point, I made the decision: hey, let's let's follow my passion and my dream. Nice, man. I love it. I love it. Love it. And it sounds to me like you're a guy of uh, many passions. If you guys don't see Bryce out there buying some real estate and uh, and doing some awesome stuff out there, he's drifting some 350Zs. <laughs> Out on the streets of Kansas. I love it. <laughs> no, that's cool, man. I'm a 350Z guy myself, so it's dope. Um, awesome, man. So, so tell us, walk us through a little bit of your first deal and how you, uh, how that you know, kind of roll, rolled out for you. Yeah, so the first house I ever bought, I didn't even use my VA loan. It was in 2013. I bought a foreclosure. Mm. And then in 2017, I sold it and I made a ton of money on it. And it wasn't one that was like a fix and flip or had a lot of damages. It was in a really good condition. And that was the whole reason I had purchased it. And I made a ton of money off of it. And I said, wow, what is real estate investing? And I just hopped on Google. I was sitting in Iraq in the summer of 17. And I hopped on Google and I just started learning anything and everything I could about real estate, real estate investing, all this type of stuff. Yeah. And I ended up connecting with... Um, a, uh, a team out of uh, Nashville who owned five cabins as short-term rentals out in the Gatlinburg Pigeon Forge area up in the Smoky Mountains. Okay. And they said, hey, are you interested in buying a cabin? And one of them was a licensed agent. And I said, I don't know. You know, that's, that's about four or five hours away from my duty station. You know, yeah. I don't know how to manage it. What are you talking about? Short-term rentals? What is Airbnb even? And so fast forward a couple months. I put offers in on about four different cabins, landed the deal on one. Week after getting back from Iraq, I closed on it and uh, turned it into an Airbnb. And that, that's kind of what started the, the real estate investing for me. It was a, actually a short-term rental out in Gatlinburg. 
Awesome, man. I'm telling you, this is the second, actually the second person we've been talking to about short-term rentals that did it in Gatlinburg. So that's cool. Um, but I want to, we're gonna, definitely going to deep dive some short-term rental stuff because I think that's awesome. Um, I, I think it's something we don't necessarily talk about too much, you know, on the show. Uh, and I want to pick your brain, but before we do that, I want to take it back to that foreclosure. If you don't mind real quick, why did you start with a foreclosure? Because that's definitely a very uncanny start for a first time real estate investor. Like what, what drew you in that direction? So at the time I'd been renting for, it was coming up on four years at Fort Campbell, you know, at the base. And I'd been living in Clarksville, Tennessee, just outside the base. And after four years of renting, I decided, why am I still paying someone else? You know what I mean? And, uh, and I decided, so I started looking at houses for sale and I noticed that somehow, and again, I, ha- I didn't have access to unless I'm a licensed realtor now, but I didn't have access to like any of the good stuff. So I was like, man, why are these houses so much cheaper than X, Y, and Z? And it was like, oh, it's because it's a foreclosure. My agent explained that to me. And I was like, well, what does that mean? And he explained, well, this is what it means. I said, okay, well, that doesn't scare me. And at the time, they, uh, there was a lender that was offering a 5-5 arm that would pay your closing costs. Okay. So I looked at it as, okay, so I, I can't use my VA loan at the time in 2013 on a foreclosure. But I've got this five five arm opportunity, and I plan on only living in the house maybe three or four years. Mm-hmm. So my interest rate, I don't have to worry about the variability of it. So I'll go ahead and use a five five arm because I'm going to sell it within five years anyway. So I put a little bit of money down to do it. They paid my closing costs, and I got into it with a ton of equity on the front side. So that's kind of what started that. And then when I sold it, and you know, had all these proceeds. I was like, man, I want to do something. Cause I had been flipping cars. I'd, I'd flipped about 35 cars. So oh, wow. I'd always been in like some sort of aspect, <laughs> making okay. a little side money, you know? Yeah. Um, right. So that's kind of what started it, you know, is with that first uh, foreclosure. Right. So you were, okay. So you had that mindset of, all right, I'm going to take something that's not necessarily put together. I'm going to put it together and I'm going to sell it right? Yeah. Yep. Absolutely. Yeah. You'd already been in that business mindset, flipping cars, which is super interesting. And we maybe I might be picking your brain on that after this, but, um, but yeah, but you know, so you had that thing going and then you got your foreclosure, right? And you went in there, put the work in, you resold it. That's great, man. How much profit did you make off that first deal? I made about 50,000. Outstanding, man. Woo. Yeah. Nice. See, all right, guys. So foreclosure is definitely not something that you should be afraid of. I love your attitude on that, Bryce, and just you know going in, making it happen, getting educated on it, right, and taking action, and it paid out for you. That's that's great, um, man. Awesome. Maybe we'll have you know you come back on the show later on and talk about foreclosures because that's that's an interesting thing. But uh, but all right, let's go back to the short term rental side now because this is definitely something I want to deep dive. Um, so short term rentals. Like what is your take on, I mean, so you already gave us your take on it, right? But what is kind of your, um, your battle rhythm when it comes to, you know, finding a rental, setting it up and then listing it? Like what kind of tips and tricks do you have out there for, for our folks? Man. So the easiest way I explain when people ask about Airbnbs or VRBOs or home away or whatever type of short-term rental is it is four times the work you're going to do on a long-term, but it's 10 times the reward. And that's the easiest way I can 
sum it up in a short thing. That's, the that's things fair. that I looked for. Yeah. The things that I looked for on my first short-term rental was I wanted to find out who I wanted to cater to first. Mm. Before I pick the property, what is the clientele that I want? Because like, let's say for Gatlinburg instance, are you wanting to cater to a family of six or are you wanting to cater to the honeymooners? Well, that will tell you right there the size of your cabin. And then are you wanting to entertain for seasonal for skiing or are you wanting to entertain more for hiking or pigeon forge like the, the family activities? Well, that will give you your location. So once you start narrowing down what you want as your clientele to rent to, you'll narrow down your locations, your sizes and all that type of stuff. Right. Once you do that, the easiest thing to do, and it's all 100% free, is just get on Airbnb and look, oh, wow, hey, look, this one bedroom cabin is renting for 70 a night and it's 90% occupied. I mean, you can see it all there if you just log in as just a regular user and start looking at the availability and seeing what are people doing with rates. Are they spiking them in the you know holiday season or kind of all those different things? So that kind of narrowed those niches down as far as what I was looking for. And so the first cabin I bought was a one bedroom, one bath, 600 square foot cabin backed up to the national park in a section of it. Right. And then it had a beautiful mountain view because <laughs> I knew I wanted a small cabin and I marketed it as like a tiny home, a tiny cabin. Mm. And it's got a beautiful mountain view on a half acre lot, secluded, surrounded by trees. That's what I enjoyed. So I knew other people would enjoy it. That's dope, man. Awesome. And I love how you're saying to identify your clientele before you rent, right? Because that is huge. Um, and, and, it's, and it's something that can kind of help you uh, get that warm and fuzzy of, okay, well, you know, this is, this is the passion that I want to put in. I, I, I'm, I'm a hiker by trade, right? So I want to cater my place to all hikers or like you were talking about skiing, right? That's awesome. And it kind of gives you that little mindset before you, before you go in. And, and as a matter of fact, maybe uh, we can speak real quick to how to break that mindset barrier, right? Because a lot of people have uh, um, an awkward mindset towards short-term rentals. Maybe they think that it's, you know, it's more hassle than it's worth. I mean, you were talking about 10x, right? That return, which is very, very accurate. That's very accurate. I mean, we're talking about, you know, money that you get per night vice per month, which is awesome. But how can someone break that initial barrier um, of that, you know, awful mindset in going into short-term rentals? Ooh, so the kind of a loaded question. <laughs> yeah, no, yeah, it is. Like, I was so, to be honest, like, I was definitely terrified and nervous on that first transaction because I got to the cabin, you know, I get in it for the very first time. You know, I'd purchased it while I was in Iraq, so I hadn't even seen the thing. Um, my agent do, didn't do a video walkthrough because she was in Nashville. So, I mean, no one had seen this cabin besides the listing agent and the one picture and two from the inside. So, it was like not a whole lot to go off of. Oh, I was very, very nervous. But at the same time, I was like, I've got to start somewhere. And if I'm going to do it, I'm going to take the risk here. True. So it's just outweighing that risk. And then as I was driving back through Knoxville, after I'd taken all the pictures and everything, and I posted it live on Airbnb. And when I woke up the next morning, I had three people inquire about, you know, staying. I was nervous. I didn't know how to handle that first, you know, message. And once you do it, and you just, you have no other choice but to do it at that point. You're in a situation where you have to act on it now. So I just kind of rolled with it and then made it work. 
Awesome, man. That's it. And then some, that's all, that's all you need to do. So solid, man. Okay. So, so take us from the point where you've listed the property right now, you've got your idea, your vision, you know, what it is you want to do. You found your property. Now you've listed it. Now what, right? I mean, what, what, what key things would you say that makes a good listing and makes it more desirable? So the keys, so there's a lot of different things out there as far as different things, different platforms to list a short-term rental. Like mm-hmm. a lot of people just associate it with, um, with Airbnb, but there's other opportunities out there, obviously. Personally though, what I've found to be successful is listing just on one platform, whichever one that you like list on that one platform, use that one platform and it'll work really well for you. So I chose Airbnb. It worked really well. Okay. And Pictures is, I think, the number one thing that is the absolute most important. Um, my dad was a professional photographer for over 25 years, so I was fortunate enough to grow up around that industry. So I took a lot of drone shots, a lot of aerial, something where when you walk up to something, you don't see it as like the normal view, you know? So really, really good pictures, um, a really good description, and something as your headline that catches people's eye. So with all the tiny home kick, like how that's a really big thing. I marketed mine as saying, you know, uh, tiny cabin. So tiny cabin, Wi-Fi, hot tub, boom, right yes. there. Wow. I got Wi-Fi. I'm out in the woods. I got a hot tub and it's a tiny cabin. Cool. And then I hit it with a really good aerial view. So good pictures, a uh-huh. good headline to catch it. And then a good price point to catch it at. Cause one of the things with Airbnb is with Airbnb, they'll have the list price at let's say, and I'll just use my, my rates, for example, at 75 a night. Right. But that doesn't include like the cleaning fees and everything else associated with the stay. But if someone clicks on mine on a Friday and Saturday, that's going to, that stay is going to be $99. But the catch is getting a minute 75. Now you don't want to go too low because you'll see people post Airbnbs for like $5 a night. Well, that, that, that everybody knows that's not accurate. You know, right. they have one night for $5 a night and that's it. And then the other nights are super inflated on the prices. Mm. So find out what the cabins are renting around you go just below it for your Tuesday, Wednesday nights, at least for this market, you know, every market's different, but for my market, Tuesday, Wednesday nights go at a lower rate, you know what I mean? And then have those higher rates for the weekends. And then obviously for four days, federal holidays and all that, I even raised a little bit more yep. to stay competitive with the hotels is really what I shoot for. That's awesome, man. Yeah, exactly. And you, you want to keep that competitiveness, but it's, it's interesting because I get that argument too, a lot where, oh, well, you know, what makes you different from a hotel? Right. And, and I love that question because it's like, well, I mean, one, we've got more bedrooms Two, We have, you know, if you're renting out your entire place, you know, you've got the ability to have a kitchen, a living room, and it makes it a very homey feel. So it's almost worth more, you know, in my opinion, right? I don't know. Like, how, how do you feel about that? Have you ever gotten that question before? Yeah. I mean, the big thing is, and I, I've, I've had this talk with a potential guest that are staying. And it's like, well, I can stay at this hotel. And I'm like, you're not going to get the experience you get at, with, at a hotel off of, you know, one, two, three main street that you're going to get the experience of a cabin literally overlooking the Smokies and you have the national forest backing up to you. I mean, the seclusion factor of that, the experience. And that's the big thing that I think Airbnb and a lot of those things cater to is your clientele is looking for an experience. 
Right. You know, and one of the big things is like you can do this all remotely. Like I've managed this thing since 2017 when I started. I mean, I've done multiple deployments and trips and all sorts of stuff, and I've completely managed it remotely. You know, it's building a really good team in place. Google Calendar is an amazing thing and syncing everything and then having a really good cleaning crew. And I take care of my cleaning crew. I take care of my cleaning crew, my handyman, uh, all the people I have is my boots on ground. I make sure to take care of them because they're the ones, they're my eyes and ears, you know? So that's right. That's right. And, but it is possible. You can do it on deployment guys. This is not something that is, uh, that is super complicated. I love that, man. Thank you for sharing that. Um, wow, man. Amazing. Okay, cool. So let's talk about challenges because we've been talking about a lot of benefits that are out there, a lot of good stuff. Um, you know, but of course we got our skeptical crowd, right? So let's, let's cater to that. Let's talk about worst case scenarios, right? What are some challenges that you've faced through your Airbnb journey? So some of the challenges, um, I had one particular incident where, um, a guest vehicle almost went off the side of the mountain. Uh, oh, oh, <laughs> my way is super steep. Wow. Uh, <laughs> uh, like two in the morning. Um, of like a Ford F-150 literally hanging off the side of one uh, cliff, like a mountainside. Because one side of the cabin, just I mean, it's just straight down. So, oh, man. I mean, I was able to help them out. I got them some numbers for tow services, and that, that got taken care of. That's really been like my only big hiccup is that one person's vehicle almost went off the side of the mountain. Um, other than that, and, and, and it happens, you know, like, it happens, believe it or not. Like, because when I was out there, I remember being underneath a, oh my gosh, what was it? It was like a Ford, or not Ford, it was a, a Kia, Kia Soul. I was, okay. so I was driving up to my, because I stay at my cabins, you know, like, I will go, I'll block it off. And it's a perfect little, you know, getaway type thing. It's only four hours away. And I was driving up the mountain to my cabin. And I glanced over to the right and there's a, there's a Kia Soul with one wheel on the ground. It's, it's literally about to go. And there's oh, one guy wow. holding on and he's waved. He flags me down. So I put my four ways on. Thankfully I was in my truck. I was able to latch onto the rear of the car, grab the wheel. We pulled the car back down and then my girlfriend ran around, got a ratchet strap and we got the car pulled off. It was literally, it was about to go. So like it, it happens out there and people just aren't careful, but um, wow. So that's, I guess that's one difficulty or challenge I've ran into. Um, but other than that, you know, just having a solid cleaning crew, man, they, they got my back. So I've always made sure to have theirs as well. And then, um, you know, every once in a while you have a dirty guest or someone likes confetti, which cleaners hate, you know? <laughs> so uh, you just kind of work through those challenges as they pop up and just have a positive mindset, you know? And you understand, you take the risk of whatever rental you own whether it be a short term or long term, you're dealing with people, you're dealing with humans at the end of the day and, and things are going to happen. It's just, it's just human nature. So accepting the challenges that you face and just rolling with it, that's kind of what I do. And you got to smile at it. You know, it's like, wow, that it, it creates a memory and experience and you make the most of it and then you work through it and you say, okay, well, hey, if this ever happens again, what can I do to make it a better experience? So. Exactly. Exactly, man. Wow. That's awesome, dude. Uh, that is crazy. And, and I mean, not something that you would, uh, that I would have ever thought about, but that makes so much sense. If you're talking about cliffs and whatnot, I mean, that's crazy. Um, you know, maybe barriers or something like that would be a good you know thing to add there, but 
you know, like, wow, man, that's, that's a whole different experience. But I love the fact, you know, that you have the mindset where you under, you already go in knowing that stuff's going to happen, right? Just like you said, we're dealing with humans. No one's perfect, right? God, I mean, how many crazy things I've done, you know, in my life, right? Who knows who you're going to get, but you have that attitude where you just roll with the punches and you keep going and you take care of those that are taking care of you. Right. So, so good on you for that, man. And, and yeah, and so guys, it's not that hard, you know, really the Airbnb is, is something that you can totally get into and you can get into while you're active duty. You can do it on deployment. That's, that's awesome, man. Wow. All right. I love it. So what, so what's next? Like, what's your plan to scale, man? How many, how many units do you have now and how many are you going for? Are you going to make Airbnb your thing? I don't think I'm going to make Airbnb my thing necessarily. Um, I'm trying to come up with more of a recession proof plan. Okay. And that's just because I don't know when it's going to happen or how severe it is, but I want to have something diverse, diversity, you know? Yeah. So I've currently got 14 doors as far as rentals are concerned. Um, two cabins. The second cabin I bought about six months. Yeah, it was about, no, it was about eight months after that first one I purchased. And it was my next door neighbors, believe it or not. Oh, wow. Nice. Every time I'd go up to my cabin, I looked over at my neighbors and my girlfriend would say, hey, look how nasty that cabin is. Like, it did, no one's staying there. You know, we kind of go peeped over in the windows and looked around and we're like, man, this, no one has been here in years. So I wrote a, a handwritten letter wrote a handwritten letter to the owner. He lived in Kingston Springs nice. out in Tennessee. And uh, three months later, I got an email from him that said, your letter's been on my fridge. I didn't, I, I noticed that, you know, the neighbor had sold theirs and I'd be willing to sell mine. So the awesome thing about this is that at that point, I had already gotten my real estate license. I said, great, I'll handle the entire transaction. I'll take it as is. So I bought my neighbor's cabin. The roof leaked, the HVAC didn't work. <laughs> the deck was falling off the cabin, oh. pulling away, literally going down the mountainside. So we went in 14 days and I love my girlfriend to death and she put up with me. We lived in that 400 square foot cabin and completely renoed it. So I hired a GC and four of his guys. We put a new roof, new deck, HVAC, all new flooring, wow. all new furniture. 14 days, we got all that done. And then we reposted it on Airbnb. So I've got two of those now. And then from there... I started doing long-term uh, rentals. So I, I bought a, ha a house hacked a quad. So I bought a new construction quad, um, lived in one of the units, and then rented the other three out, moved into a single family home, then created that as a full unit rental as four. And then I did my first flip uh, in the winter of 18. So bought a house. I teamed up with a general contractor on it. Again, it was just a phone call. Someone called me and said, hey, listen, this is the situation. I said, great. Let's do it. Uh, we flipped that house, sold it. I sold, I brought a buyer to that, thankfully. We didn't even take it to market. Made a good profit on it. Right. And then uh, last week, let's see, I bought a, I bought a, two houses last week. Um, and then I bought a seven unit about four weeks ago. And we're, we're renoing the seven unit down just outside of Huntsville, Alabama. And then, you know, creating a little bit of diversity in the market. So I love it. I love it, man. That's awesome, dude. You know, but you've got your, your awesome money makers, your income generators, which is your Airbnb and man, they turn a heck of profit that you can go in, you start investing, and start planting some seeds, man. That's great. I love it, dude. Well done. Well done. All right, man. So, uh, so yes, yeah, so you're definitely going to diversify pretty nice. And so, um, I mean, I guess, right. This is your bread and butter. It's like you said, you're passionate about it and you're getting ready to transition soon here, right? 
Yeah, I've got about a month left of being active duty. Um, and then, you know, starting transition leave. And uh, it's terrifying because going into being a full-time investor slash agent, but at the same time, it's super exciting. I, I can't wait to get full-time, you know, focused and honed in on something because I really found my passion in this, you know, and there's so many different niches. When you say real estate investing, it's such a broad term. I mean, like we just talked about, obviously, the the short-term rental aspect, but then there's obviously the flip side. There's the long-term buy and hold. There's the burrs. There's, I mean, you can take these strategies and you can apply it to strip malls. You can apply it to, you know, um, apartment complexes, what's big, small. I mean, there's just so many different strategies out there and there's just so much to learn, you know, and um, it's cool how many different aspects you can do with it. And I absolutely love every single one of them. I believe it, man. I believe it. I hear the passion in your voice, man. It's solid. And I know you're going to do well. All right. You're already crushing it. And I'm confident that that transition, while it may not be the smoothest, right? Because no one's really is. <laughs> right. Yeah. It's, it's going to be just fine, man. And you're, you're going to go off in the sunset, dude. So wish you best of luck. Thank you so much for coming on to the show, man. I've got three final questions for you. We'll take you in our bonus round real quick. But um, question number one, what is your favorite book? So my favorite book is Loopholes of Real Estate. Uh, it's, it's by uh, Garrett uh, Sutton. Uh, awesome book. That was the first real estate book I ever read. Mm-hmm. Um, what I loved about that book is that it teaches you like all the tax advantages and all the terminology of real estate. So that kind of taught me like the lingo. And then it also, it kind of like the, the Gatlinburg Airbnbs. It taught me, okay, here are the strategies, here are the benefits and how you can do it. And then I came up with the ways to apply it. Mm. So awesome book. Absolutely love it. Highly recommend it to anybody looking to get started as a first time read. It's really, really good. You know, get your basics down, read this book, learn the tax advantages that real estate has to offer, and then figure out how you can apply it in your market or elsewhere. Absolutely, man. And we actually had Garrett on there on our podcast too earlier on this year. So definitely make sure you guys go back and check it out. Uh, phenomenal guy. Awesome. Robert Kiyosaki's legal advisor. Yeah, dude. absolutely. Great, man. All right. Question number two, who is your biggest hero and why? Ah, uh, so believe it or not, as, so as I'm making the transition out, I don't really don't have like a hero right now. Um, and, and I know that's probably a horrible thing to say, but man, no, like, it's not. Um, <laughs> it's completely perspective. You no, know, like, yeah, I mean, it's just I'm transitioning through my life and reaching a new point in it, and mm-hmm. I just I feel like I don't have a one aspect or one person or or a hero that I'm looking up to. I'm just trying to find my way right now, honestly. Okay, all right, Ben, that's very solid. Nothing wrong with that. All right, question number three. If you had three nuggets of wisdom to give to those who are just getting started, what would it be? Three nuggets, man. So number one is just read, read as much as you can. And it doesn't matter if it's listening to a podcast, reading a forum or reading a book, understand the lingo, understand all the different terminology that, that is out there in real estate and try to try to just soak everything in. I would say that's number one. Number two is networking. I, the amount of knowledge that's out there and the amount of people that are willing to share it is awesome. I mean, most real estate investors are not just hordes of information. They want to share it because they're, they're passionate about it. And I am too. And I love 
talking to people about real estate. I don't care if it's the cabin aspects or my seven unit apartment in Huntsville right. or a flip that I just finished up or my first flip I'm doing down in Nashville currently. Um, everything about it's awesome. So, and you meet so many cool people along the way too. So network, go find local meetups, um, find different groups that are going on and, and get out there and just, and just talk to people and just introduce yourself. And if you have that reading knowledge or that, that understanding of the lingo, it'll give you the abilities to network. And then leading into that third step is you just take action, just take action. I mean, like I said, I, I was putting offers in on cabins out in Iraq and I knew nothing about real estate hardly at all. But the fact is I had read some books, I had networked with some people online and then I took that action. So you can even do it remotely. So you can apply these wherever you're at in your life or whatever situation you may be in. Don't hold yourself back because you're like, well, I'm getting ready to, I got a PCS coming up. I'm headed to drill sergeant school. I'm headed to, you know, go over to here to knock this out or while well, I'm transitioning out. Well, don't, don't let anything stop you from following a passion and, and digging into it. So I love it. Don't let it stop you guys. That's it. All right, Bryce. Thank you so much, man, for your time. I really appreciate that. Um, that awesome, you know, uh, nuggets of wisdom there. How can our folks get in contact with you? Oh man. Uh, so I, I'm on, uh, LinkedIn, uh, I'm on Facebook as well. And, you know, I'll, uh, share my, uh, personal email as well. Feel free to reach out to me at any time. So I'll share all that as well. Uh, St. Clair Bryce at Gmail. It's literally just last name, first name at gmail.com. Sounds great. All right, guys, make sure you guys catch Bryce again. If you're out there in Kansas, you may see him drifting his 350Z, all right, <laughs> drifting on by. But outside of that, man, you have an awesome, awesome day. Appreciate your uh, your help uh, and, and bringing some education and passion for the uh, ADPI crew, man. Take care. Absolutely. Thanks. Bye. Outstanding. That was an awesome episode. Thanks so much to our special guests, and thanks to you for listening. If you haven't hit the subscribe button yet, make sure you go and do that. Or schedule a call with us by texting ADPI to 444-999 or checking out our website at www.activedutypassiveincome.com to find out how you can get started on your financial freedom journey today. I'll see you guys next week.